Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. I want you just as you're standing, we've been speaking a series of messages on the Beatitudes and talking about kingdom standards. When Jesus teaches for the first time and he begins to break down this sermon that we know as a Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches the Beatitudes, be these attitudes. These are the attitudes that if you're going to enter the kingdom of heaven, these are the things that you should have operating in your life. And Jesus uses this give and take method. He says, blessed are those that have this. Blessed are those that have that. But according to the Jewish people, blessing usually came if you had money in your pocket, if you were rich, if you had uh, enough to eat. But Jesus points out the negative aspects That if you're poor, you're blessed. That if you're mourning, you're blessed. That if you're meek, you're blessed. That if you're you're hungering and thirsting, you're blessed. And so Jesus takes something that the Jewish people looked at, that if you were poor, then you must be cursed. That if you were mourning, you must be cursed. But Jesus turns it around and points out that the blessing that God wants to give you comes through your lack. Oh, somebody say amen. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1, and seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he seated, he was seated with his disciples, came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Last week, Pastor Cisco preached on blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Today, verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help. In Jesus' name, everyone says, amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I have a question for you as you're seated. How many are hungry? I'm not asking you hungry for Jesus. You're just hungry. You got up late. You didn't have your breakfast like you normally do. Your stomach's growling. You're hungry. Now, there, there are times that I'm hungry, and then there's times I'm hungry. Just hungry. You're just, you're just something inside. You just, you're, you're dying. You're just waiting. You're just, you, you, you know, your neighbor looked good to eat. You're just hungry, like the cartoons where people start looking like food. You're at that point where you're hungry. Jesus is teaching and as he's walking the disciples are walking in with him and there's two group of people that surround him he has the group of disciples those are the learners the followers of God and then you have the crowd there were two different groups of people you had the fans of Jesus and the followers of Jesus Jesus treated the fans different than he treated the followers the followers of Jesus the disciples They were the learners. They were the ones that committed to him. They're the ones that walk with him. And Jesus expected more from disciples than he did from fans. 
Come on, say it again, Pastor. Jesus treated the crowd differently than how he treated those that said that they were disciples of Christ. Jesus never asked for fans. He asked for followers. He wanted people to be disciples of him, to follow him, to walk after him. In fact, he told them to deny yourself, take up your cross, and to follow him. That's what a disciple did. Jesus treated the fans differently than he did the followers. If he caught a fan in sin, he protected them. To the disciples, he asked, how long must I suffer with you? How long do I got to be with you, O ye of little faith? See, Jesus treated the disciples differently than how he treated the crowd. If you're a follower of Jesus, there's more expected of you. If you're a fan of Jesus, you can be on the outside, do your thing, and you can admire Christ. But it's the, the followers of Christ that are getting into heaven, not the fans. Please say that again, Pastor. Come on, somebody. Talk to me this morning. And so I need you to understand this morning, you could be a fan of Jesus, but being a fan of Jesus isn't going to get you to heaven. Jesus takes time to teach the disciples, and the crowd is listening in to Jesus' discourse to the disciples. And he speaks on the kingdom uh, citizen standards, the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are, if you want to be part of my kingdom, they, these are the actions that you have to operate by. And so I want you to understand that Jesus says this, blessed are those that, everyone say blessed. blessed. I want you to understand that blessing is the kingdom default for your life. Okay, let me try this side. Blessing is the kingdom default for your life. Okay, amen. I want you to recognize that. From the very foundations of the earth, God blessed Adam and Eve. The very first thing he did to them after giving them his image, lending Adam his breath, he blessed them. I want you to know, and I'm preaching to someone this morning, I'm breaking some things off of you right now, that blessing is God's default for your life. You are not cursed. Cursed is not your condition. God bless mankind. God bless mankind. I need you to understand, curse is not your call. Curse is not your generation. Curse if I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So you need to understand. Someone shout in this room, I'm blessed. blessed. Now, come on, you can do better than that. Someone shout, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. You're blessed today. And I want you to recognize that that blessing comes. Jesus gives the foundation. And the, the Sermon on the Mount lays foundation for each step. You, you can't jump to number four without doing number one. And so he says that the entry, step one to enter the kingdom is this. Recognize your poverty. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Recognize that you don't have enough in and of yourself to enter, to, to approach God. It's only by God's grace that you and I even have access to heaven. It's only when you acknowledge your poverty, your spiritual poverty, that you have to, you have to rely on the goodness of God to get into heaven. Secondly, you got to understand, you got to mourn. Blessed are those that mourn. And we've all cried at one time. We've lost someone close to us. But the mourning this is talking about is mourning after our sinful condition. That when I sin, did I break the heart of God? And if I broke the heart of God, it should break my heart that I broke God. God's heart, that I'm, if I mess up, that sin isn't just sin. Sin is literally breaking the heart of God, and I don't want to break the heart of God. Oh, come on, somebody. Anyone know what I'm talking about? 
Pastor Cisco last week talked about meekness, that, that meekness isn't weakness, it is strength under control, and that we have to learn how to walk in meekness before God so that we can inherit the earth. Today, I want to talk to you about hungering and thirsting. Verse five, verse six says, blessed are those who hunger, everyone say hunger, hunger. and thirst, say thirst, for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I need you to understand that blessing is not a condition. Blessing is a way of life, not an event. How many times you heard someone say, man, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I just got a promotion. I'm blessed. I just got married. I'm blessed. I just got divorced. I'm blessed. I, I just had kids. I'm blessed. My kids just moved out. I'm blessed. I just started school. I'm blessed. I'm getting out of school. We, we talk about blessing as a condition, as something that we're going through in life. But I need you to understand blessing is not an event. Blessing is a lifestyle. It's a way of living. It's, a, it's an attitude that you recognize whatever I do in life, the blessings of God are with me. I'm not running after blessing. Blessings running after me. The Bible says that goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I need you to know you don't have to run after blessing. You don't have to run after things. When you follow God, those things will run after you. Somebody say amen. He says this after hunger and thirsting after righteousness, that word hungering and thirst is a verb. It's active. It's not I hungered one time or I thirst one time. It's an act of, it's a moment, hungering and thirsting after righteousness, that you are hungering. That word hunger literally means this. It means to long for something. You're longing for something. How many of you, uh, you know, you already determined what you're going to have for lunch after church? You've already determined it. You know what you're hungry for. You know what the appetite is for. You know what it is that you're looking for. You're hungry. You start jonesing for a certain thing. You start thinking about a certain thing. Man, I just, I just, I can't wait to get to In-N-Out. I can't wait to get to Applebee's. I can't wait to get to wherever it is that you're going. But I tell you this, I want you to recognize this. Hungering means to long for something. It's an intense desire. It's starvation. It's this aspect that I can't wait. It's not a, you know, I feel like, I just feel like, you know, we, the, the problem with Americans is that there's so much food out there that we, anything, I don't know what I feel like, but when you're hungry, you'll eat anything. When you're hungry, you'll take whatever. And I, I tell you what, this is, I want you to understand this. Hungering means an intense desire. Where thirsting talks about this, this dryness and desire for the, for the uh, water of life. It's spiritual dehydration. It's a strong desire, a longing as well. So you're hungering and thirsting. Let, let me share this with you. When I was a kid, my dad came from a very poor family. He had over 12 kids in his family. And they worked the fields. The highest grade my dad completed was sixth grade. Because the fields moved, as the fields, as the crops moved, the family moved. And so he was never able to finish school. He finished high school at 34 years old. He finished college at 40 years old. 
because he didn't want his GED. He wanted to graduate high school. So my dad went back to school and this farm worker, this guy that used to work on the farms, this guy that used to walk around and picking, picking this and picking that and, and going through all of that, going from state to state, ended up becoming, by the time he retired, was one of the nation's leading experts in the area of non-destructive testing for NASA, where he would fly all over the country and he would deal with different things like the space shuttle and things like that. He went from a farm worker to operate. Oh, you that's a great place to clap right there because he broke that line of poverty in our lives. I, I, I was, I've never been in a field except to walk in. But as a child, because my dad came from such humble beginnings, he wouldn't allow food to go to waste. So as a kid, I would sit there and when it was dinner time, if I didn't finish my plate, I couldn't get up. And so I remember times I spent the night at the dinner table <laughs> because I didn't want to eat. I, I didn't want what was there, so I didn't eat, so I slept at the table. And that became a major point of conflict between my mom and dad. And my mom would come up, she'd feel bad for me because I would be sitting there crying and sitting at the table, falling asleep at the table. And my dad's like, no, you're going to eat that food. You're going to finish that food until you finish that plate. You're, and I remember one time being at my grandfather's house in Hayward. And I'm sitting there, my, my dad wouldn't let me get up, and I'm sitting at the table. My dad is just like, you're going to stay there until you finish that. And so I was ready to, to sleep at the dinner table again at my grandfather's house. And my mom came over. You know how moms do. Takes the plate, throws it in the garbage, puts it back on the dinner table. And my dad comes in and sees the, tape, the plate clean. But well, he saw the scrape marks. <laughs> my mom was trying to cover for me. And they got in a big old argument. And that was one of their biggest arguments. They would always argue about me eating. And so as an adult now, Whenever I eat, I always clear my plate. That's why I struggle with weight. That's why I'm always having to work out. I have to watch what I eat because whatever you put in front of me, I'm going to throw down because in my mind, I got to finish the plate because there's someone in Africa that is starving that would love the food that's in front of me. That's what my dad told me at least. He goes, there's kids in Africa that are starving. Well, send them this. Put it in a box, we'll send it to them. When Jesus said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, his congregation, the crowd, would have known exactly what hungering and thirsting felt like. When you traveled, you traveled based on where you knew water holes would be. When you traveled, you traveled based on where you knew that there was going to be places of refreshment. Because there was no gas stations in those days. There was no places or truck stops. There wasn't places that were designed for you to go get something to eat. In fact, in those days, there was no such thing as DoorDash. There was no, no Grubhub. There was no Uber Eats. Well, you, today, on your way home from church today, you will pass more food than the first century Christian would have saw in a lifetime. Between here and home, you will drive by more food 
than the first century Christian would have sought in their whole lifetime. They went through starvation. They went through hunger. And you never saw a kid in those days say, I don't feel like eating that. Because if you're hungry enough, come on, somebody. If you're hungry enough, and that's what my dad said, would say all the time, oh, when he get hungry, he'll finish that. When, when he knows what it is to really be hungry, he'll eat that. You see, the problem is this. We come to church and we're so busy on the fast food of life that you come into church with no appetite. You have filled up on the junk food of the world that when you come in and the word of God is being given, we think that we're getting the word from TikTok. We think we're getting it from Instagram. We're getting it from Facebook. That little clip of T.D. Jakes, that little clip of that pastor, that little crumb from that word. I need you to understand, when you just take a crumb from every message you've ever heard, you end up with a crummy life. We come to church and we're not even hungry for what's being served. Coming to church, you're not even hungry for what is being shared. Because you're filled up with so much junk from the world that whatever's in front of you, you're not even hungry for. And you wonder why your spiritual life is starving. But listen... How many of you eat once a week? No. How about once a day? At least. How many of you do at least twice a day? Oh, you're my kind of people. How about three times a day? Oh, yeah. Okay, girl, come on. How about four or five times a day? Anyone? Okay, okay, I'm down with y'all. Okay, I'm going to hang out with you guys after church. How, how many of you guys just have one, one long meal from the morning until the time you go to bed at night? <laughs> Our physical bodies need resources in order to survive. What makes you think your spiritual life is going to make it on one meal a week? We show up late to church, leave early, and then the word that's, that's going on, you're only getting every other word because you're checking your phone, you're checking social media, and you're not even present with the word that's being spoken. The Bible says this, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled, hungering, thirsting. He's talking about appetite. What are you jonesing for today? What it's a thing that, you're, that, that, that your appetite is going after because whatever you begin to eat, whatever you begin to get used to is what you're going to want more and more. I love cake. I love sweets. But if all I eat is sweets, sweets will not provide the nutrients that I need to, in order for my body to be able to withstand disease or withstand and, and build up a good, um, a, a good immune system in my body. So what am I telling you today? I got to make sure I'm eating the right things to make sure my body can withstand when sickness comes my way. The first century Christian lived hand to mouth. Food was a big part of the Bible. The Passover was about a, a meal. 
the feeding of the 5,000, feeding of the 4,000, the parable of the sower. In fact, Jesus even called himself the bread of life. And church, I want you to understand something, is that the reality is, is that when you're hungry enough, you will eat anything. The problem is, is that we're not hungry for God anymore. We got so much stuff of the world in us that we are not even hungry for God. Today, we could find someone serving what we like. We find someone serving a meal that caters to you. And they, they, we would rather live on junk food than on the meat of the word of God. We have traded experiences for nutrition. And we end up with spiritually malnutrition people that whenever there's a problem, they can't call on God. They call the church. Come on, church. Pastor, pray for me. I'm sick. Pray for yourself. My marriage is on on the rocks. I, I need some help. When's the last time you prayed? When's the last time you got in the word? I haven't seen you in church in months, and then all of a sudden you show up, and now now you want to heal the marriage? We got to be hungry for the right things. Because as we get the right things into our body, most of the problems that we find in life, we're going to overcome because our body's strong enough to overcome it. But when you're malnutrition, any little disease, any little infection has the ability to overcome you. But when your body is healthy, when you're feeding yourself the word of God, when you're feeding yourself the right thing, you're going to be able to withstand the diseases of the enemy called sin. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst. What are you craving this morning? See, whatever you feed, that appetite grows. Say it again, Pastor. Whatever you feed, that appetite grows. Whatever you begin to do, whatever it is that you do, you're going to start doing it even more and more and more and more. That's what addiction's all about. It, It just starts and it just becomes... Continual. You see, I want you to understand something that many individuals are spiritually malnutrition because they have the wrong diet. If you want to be blessed, you got to hunger and thirst after the right thing. Stay with me. I'm almost closed, okay? Stay with me here. You see, we have an appetite for things, for success, for pleasure. We have an appetite for influence. We have an appetite for the things of the world, but the problem is we have the appetite for sin as well. Come on, church. Hey, sin feels good. Sin wouldn't be a temptation if it was something that was unpleasant, right? Even fast food, if fast food tastes nasty, you wouldn't have a problem with it. But the problem is this, whatever you begin to give yourself is where your appetites grow. Every year, we start the year off with the Daniel fast, at the church, and that's always a hard time of recalibrating because we're used to eating all the refined sugars. We're used to stopping at Starbucks. We're used to stopping at Chick-fil-A. We're used to throwing down whatever it is that our bodies desire. But when we go into the Daniel fast, now all of a sudden, we got to look at labels. You got to stop and start thinking about this. And all of a sudden, you start eating a different way. Now, the first week is a difficult transition But by the second and third week, man, I find it harder to break the fast than I did to start it. 
Because my body's gotten used to good food. It's gotten used to healthy food and I feel good. I, my, my, I got more energy. I love the way that, that I'm, my pants feel. I, I feel like my clothes are fitting now. And all of a sudden when I eat the right way, it becomes a transition. And you have whatever appetite you feed is the appetite that grows. See, understand this, whatever you are hungry for is what you will consume. But whatever you consume will end up consuming you. James 1.14 says, we are tempted by our own desires that drag us away, appetites. Philippians 3.19 says, they are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. Proverbs 27.20 says, just as death and destruction are never satisfied, so the human desire is never satisfied. You will never get enough drug. You'll never get enough alcohol. You'll never get enough sex. You'll never get enough pleasure. You'll never get enough uh, weed. You'll never get enough of that thing. The more you consume something, the more you want to consume. It becomes a trap. And the very thing you thought you were consuming will become the thing that ends up consuming you. Listen carefully as I close this morning. Pastor Seth, if you would help me. Our appetites determine our affections. Our appetites determine our affections. Our affections determine our direction. Our direction determines our destination. It all starts with what your appetites are. So if you're always craving the wrong thing, Jesus comes in and tells the people listening, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, what's righteousness? Righteousness is more than legal standing or right standing. Righteousness is right relationship. When we get hungry and we get thirsty The same way some of you can't wait for the pumpkin spice latte to come out at at Starbucks every year. You can't wait for the the, the certain color cup. You can't wait for that. Your, Your appetite looks forward to it. When's the last time you had a hunger and a thirst for the presence of God? When's the last time that we were hungering and thirsting to get to church, to worship, to experience the presence and the glory of God? When's the last time that you were hungry for God? When's the last time that you were thirsting for God? But the same way you lay there in bed and you're like, man, I I think I'm going to call DoorDash because I'm just hungry. Back in the day, Carl's Jr. used to have this commercial. And this big old burger. And it just didn't even say a word. Just someone biting into it. And you hear them biting into it and chewing and then taking another bite and taking the onion and biting, then taking another bite. No words in the commercial until the very end. If it doesn't get all over the place, it doesn't belong in your face. Oh, I'm stirring up some hunger right now for some of y'all. You know, it's a trip. As I gave up red meat years ago, 
But every time that commercial came on, I had to do everything in me to keep from getting up. And this was before DoorDash. Getting up and running down to Carl's Jr. to get a burger. Because they made it look so good. I want my life to be lived in a manner that people see me in my fellowship with God and makes other people want to consume God as well. I want to be so close to God. I want to draw close to God. I want to hunger after God. I want to thirst after God. He says, for those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, I need you to see this as I close. The Bible tells a story here in the book of, of the book of John chapter 4, of the, the Samaritan woman, the woman by the well. She had been divorced five times. But we look at that and we think she was a bad lady. Do you understand this? In those days, women could not divorce. Only the man could. So no matter how much you wanted to get rid of Daniel, you couldn't. But the moment, it was so prevalent in those days, even if your wife sneezed wrong, you could divorce her. You could put her away. She had been rejected. This lady was rejected five times by men. And the man she was with currently wasn't even her husband. She came in the afternoon to get water from the well. Why in the afternoon? Most women came in the morning when it was cool. But she came in the heat of the day because there were no women around because she got tired of all the ladies at the well talking smack about her. So she went at a time where she didn't expect anyone to be there. But who was there? As Jesus comes up to her, the disciples went to get some food for him to eat. And Jesus ministers to her. She was hungry. She's at the well because she was thirsty. When the disciples come back, the lady goes and tells all the city about the Messiah. Check this out as I close. The disciples say, hey, master, eat something. Jesus says, I ain't hungry anymore. So what? I'm not hungry. I have food you don't know of. Like, what do you mean? Did she bring you something? He's told him this. Verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you understand that when you do God's will, there is a satisfaction that comes in that no food can fill? that no drink can fill, that when you walk the right way with God, there is a satisfaction that you get that comes from nowhere else. When you do the will of God, when you walk in the steps of God, when you help someone else out, there's a satisfaction that you get. Jesus was talking about my nourishment is by helping other people. That righteousness is about restoring relationship. What am I telling you this morning as I close? 
We need to hunger and thirst to get people back into relationship with God. That's what righteousness is. Righteousness is about getting people in right relationship. To get our family members in right relationship. To get our loved ones in right relationship. To get that person on the street in right relationship. In other words, you don't live for yourself. You live, you hunger, you thirst to get other people connected, restored, touched, and and forgiven by God. When's the last time you were hungry to see God move in someone else's life? Oh, church, are you hearing me? CWC Bay Area, as you stand to your feet with me this morning. It's time for us to be hungry for God. It's time for us to start seeing people restored to their Father. Why do we do this every Sunday? It'd be easier for me to get another job and than to go through everything we go through every Sunday to provide the service. It's because I'm hungry and I'm thirsty to see people restore their relationship with God. There's nothing that makes me happier than when I see someone that had a broken relationship get restored. There's nothing that moves my heart more than when I see people that were lost Find their way again to God. I want you to know this morning that God is calling you. And you know what? I I need you to understand this. It's not until you get a hunger and thirsty for righteousness that you're going to see those loved ones saved. You're the key to unlock your family's salvation. You're the key to unlock their blessing. But you're so caught up in your own stuff that you're missing out on bringing transformation to those around you. Hungering and thirsting. Bow your heads right now. Heads bowed and eyes closed. You're here right now. You're disconnected from God. You don't know Jesus right now. Maybe because you've allowed other things to get in the way. You've been hungry for other things other than God. This morning, I want to bring you back again. With heads bowed and eyes closed, you're here right now and you recognize you need Jesus. See, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going into your garage make you a car, going to McDonald's make you a hamburger, or going to a donut shop make you a cop. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. It's in a living relationship with Christ. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to invite you into a relationship with Jesus. I'm hungry and thirsting this morning to see you get right with God. I'm going to count to three, and if that's you, I'm going to have you lift your hand in the air. Ready? One. The Bible says it's appointed for man to die once, then comes judgment. Two. Search your heart right now. Why run from God when all he's going to do is love you when he catches you? As I say this final number, left to right, front to back, man, woman, and child. Ready? One, two, three. Lift your hands right now. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Yes, anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Secondly, you're here. And you just say, Pastor Dan, I want to hunger and thirst for God. I've been hungering and thirsting after the wrong appetites. These appetites are getting me in trouble. And I want to hunger and thirst for God. 
If that's you, would you lift your hands as well right now? Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Yes, God bless you. 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 Yes, amen. God bless you. God bless you. Lastly, you're here right now and you know someone that needs Jesus. You know someone that needs God. And your prayer this morning is, God, make me hunger and thirst to see them serve you once again. Lord, let my appetite be to see them get restored. Let my food be to see them restored to you. If that's you right now, and this should be almost everyone here this morning, you got someone that needs Christ that you need to introduce and have a hunger and thirst for Christ, lift your hand right where you are as well. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Let's believe this is the season of restoration. So I'm going to ask you to do me a favor, each and every one of you that lifted your hands, bring your communion elements with you as you come to the altar. Ready? One, two, three. Step out of your seats and come to this altar. Come on, give them a round of applause as they come this morning. about hungering and thirsting God is inviting us to his table we get to sit at his table and at his table everything we need is provided and if you're at his table he's invited all of us to come doesn't matter the color of your skin doesn't matter matter your gender doesn't matter your tax bracket doesn't matter what sin what what failures you've had when we come to the table of God we're all invited we're all equal at the table of God all your needs are met at the table that when we get to the table it doesn't matter what we went through to get there you're at the table and God's invited you you're here at the table I want you right now to take the bread out And as you hold the bread, I want you to recognize that the bread represents the body of Christ. That as we take the bread this morning, we take the bread in faith and know that the body of Christ was broken so that your body, your mind, your soul, your spirit could be made whole. So as we take the bread this morning, take it by faith. Whatever's broken in your life, Lord, put it back together. Take the bread this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, our nourishment is to do your will. Our nourishment, my God, is to do your will. Let us stop doing what we want to do and let us start living, my God, in a manner that honors you. Lord, I pray right now for every person within the sound of my voice that, Lord, they would right now experience wholeness in Jesus' name. We thank you for the broken body of Christ. But as we take the cup, we recognize the cup represents the blood of Jesus. 
The blood that forgives us, that restores us. The blood that recognizes we can't do it on our own. We need forgiveness. We need the blood. We need the new covenant. As you take the cup this morning, take it in faith. That Lord, where I lack, may you cover. Give me new appetites today. In Jesus' name, take the cup. Thank you, Jesus. Heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment. Would you say this with me? Heavenly Father, I come to you now the way that I am, with my sin and with my shortcomings. And Lord, I ask you now, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, rose again on the third day. He died as me so I could live as him. The great exchange. You took my place. And I thank you for that, Jesus. I don't want to be a fan. I want to be a follower. I make a choice today to follow Jesus. Change my appetites. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise this morning. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash CWC Bay Area.